0: Hello all, this is Artie Kulik, the host of the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, the podcast for Seedsing.com. So today is, uh, it's just going to be me again. Ty and I had some stuff planned out, but we're at this weird time of the year where his kids have spring break and then my kid has spring break and our schedules just could not mesh. And kind of at the last minute I was like, well, I still want to do a podcast because we're going to be off next week. And I was thinking, well, I could talk politics. I've done that recently, but I want to talk about something that's even more, just way more important than politics right now. And that's the Oscars, because it is the most important thing in the world, as you guys all know. Obviously, I'm trying to be a little sarcastic, but I was having this conversation with another friend of mine because the Academy Awards actually are this Sunday. They're going to give them out for the 2021 year We were just talking, and it's like, I know, I think, Ty, I I think it was about a year ago, we did a thing where I basically went through all the best picture winners of our lifetime. or So that would be his and my lifetime, roughly about 40 years. And in that 40 best picture winners, there are maybe, I don't know, five just super memorable films. I mean, there is, just to kind of refresh you guys on a lot of these things. I'm just going to go through the last 10, 12 years here or so, but You have The Hurt Locker, The King's Speech, The Artist, Argo, 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, The Shape of Water, Green Book, Parasite, and then last year, Nomadland. I have seen all of those movies except I have never seen Green Book and I've never seen The King's Speech. But if you look through all those movies, I'm going to give you some of the movies here that did not win. Uh, There was Avatar did not win, that were up and did not win. Avatar, District 9, Up, Inception, The Social Network, which I still think is probably one of the best, if os, quote-unquote, Oscar movies of our lifetime. 2011, actually, it wasn't that great of a year. 2012, I did like Argo, but you also had Life of Pi, Lincoln, and Les Miserables were all up. 12 Years a Slave is a great movie, and this is some I'm going to talk about here, about why I think the Oscars are stupid, and I'm going to refer- reference that. But uh, there's a movie like Wolf of Wall Street was up that year. Birdman, which is a movie I enjoyed when I watched, but I'll probably never watch again. But you also had, again, that's not, in my opinion, not another great year. Whiplash. I actually think Whiplash is a really good movie. Grand Budapest Hotel. Spotlight. Another movie, a movie I saw recently, actually, which I think is a really, really good movie. It beat out The Martian, which I think is a great movie. The Big Short, which I think is a great slash important movie but also beat out Mad Max Fury Road, so I'm just not hearing it. There was the famous thing that happened the year La La Land was announced as the winner, but it was really moonlight. Shape of Water, there was a Phantom Thread was up that year, Lady Bird, Get Out, Dunkirk. I mean, these are some big time movies. The year that Green Book won, it beat out Black Klansman, which I think is great. Black Panther, which obviously should have probably won. Parasite, I'm not going to hear it. I think that's a great movie. I know I've recommended it to a lot of people and they get mad at me. And then you look at 2020 and Land, which is a very pretty movie. But again, another movie I'm going to forget. The thing that I want to talk about here in the first half, and I'm going to do this for a few categories, And then the second half, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to solve all these problems is I want to talk about the awards that were given, why they were given, and why I think that is stupid. Okay. I I know a lot of you guys are like, Cub, does this really matter to you? It matters to me because I have a microphone. I want to talk about it. And I'm thinking about the Oscars and movies. Now, I am going to hear nothing for the fact that Godzilla versus Khan is not up for best picture because... It is obviously the best picture of the year, people. I mean, if you have not seen Godzilla versus Khan, you are not doing yourself any favors. But all kidding aside, the movie Dune is actually up. And if I go through the movies that are up this year, uh, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. the I have only seen I, – and I, I want to say I used to watch – Every single picture up for, or every single movie that was up for Best Picture. Of those things, I've only seen Don't Look Up, Dune, and that's it. I'm planning on, I'll probably sit down and watch The Power of the Dog. I think it's on uh, Netflix. Nightmare Alley looks interesting to me. I'll see it whenever it's on whatever it's gonna be on HBO Max, probably. Coda is on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. I've heard it's good. My point is, oh, and Don't Look Up, I did very much a joy, but I know it's very much split people because it's I, I guess it's not serious enough or whatever, but I, I do think Don't Look Up's a, a very good movie. Of all those, the one I am gonna kind of focus here on is Dune. Dune, I made sure I went to the theater to go see. And this is I, I'm gonna forewarn you guys. I'm gonna get really snobby on this podcast. Okay. Dune was an incredible movie to see in the movie theater. Now, I've read the book I've watched the old David Lynch one numerous times. I actually kind of enjoy it, but I get that it's a bad movie. I get that it's a big mess. But this new version of Dune, it is big. And I remember sitting in the theater and just looking at that screen and just the size of everything. The production design in that movie is off the charts here. But the other thing about Dune that I think was really important is is it was accessible. If somebody was to say, hey, Cub, what's Dune about? I'd say, well, it's kind of about a space Jesus that gets high on spice. I'd be like, okay, that sounds weird. And that's kind of what it is. It seems like the whole Book of Boba Fett was kind of a roundabout backdoor Dune thing with all spice and desert planet and all this other stuff. I don't know if Boba Fett's some kind of space Jesus, but hey, you know, there's, a, there's, there's some confusion to be had in that show. But this movie was accessible. The thing I compared it to, and I know some are going to lose their minds, is it was like a David Lean production. It was like a a Lawrence of Arabia. It had these great shots. It had everything framed really well. I mean, you felt like you were a small part of this big world as you were watching it. And then I've watched Dune again on my television, and it's a little colder to me. But the Oscars are supposed to be for quote-unquote movies, and I have never bought into this whole if it's on Netflix, it's not a real movie. A movie is a movie, a movie. But if we're really talking about the pure and other craftsmanship of the whole thing, the like I said, the set design, the sound design, all the awards they're not going to show on TV because, again, the Oscars are just stupid. This was what Dune was. It was this movie, if I look at all of its pieces, and I'm like, okay, that's good. That's you know really good. Now, I'm joking when I say Godzilla vs. Kong, but Dude was not the best movie I saw in the theater last year. I didn't see a lot of movies in the theater, but one I did make sure to go see was Spider-Man No Way Home. I've said this on the podcast. Guys, it's out on digital now if you really want to watch it, and even the advertisement of it. there was I was watching, before I recorded this, I was watching an NCAA basketball game, tournament basketball game, and they had a preview for it. So All the quote-unquote spoilers were in this preview for it, so I'm going to spoil it now. But I've never connected so much with this newer Spider-Man, the Tom Holland one, because I felt like that his Spider-Man wasn't the Peter Parker I know. He wasn't the the Peter Parker that makes sure he keeps his identity secret so his loved ones won't get hurt. I know it was a big deal that Marvel basically – the Marvel movies took away this concept of the secret identities. They did it with the very first Iron Man movie. It was a big deal, iconic moment, an incredibly memorable moment. But it's always like with, with Spider-Man, that was really a big part of Peter's story, the fact that they didn't know who he was. But the fact that he also – I'd mentioned this on the previous podcast. I recently watched Spider-Man 2 again, the one with Tobey Maguire and Alfred Molina – and it's the only superhero movie that uh, in this modern era that it really shows how, how much it sucks to be Spider-Man. It sucks to be a superhero. He doesn't have any money. He can't keep his job. He has to, wants to be a hero. He can't have any success in romance or all this other stuff. That's the Spider-Man I know where the Tom Holland ones were not like that. And what was so good about Spider-Man No Way Home is it was like this weird backdoor origin story. I'm more excited about where that story goes now than I've been in any of the other newer Spider-Man movies. And they do a really good job. Now, I'm going to forewarn this. If you have never seen a Marvel movie, never seen a superhero movie, and you sit down and you go watch Spider-Man No Way Home, you are going to be lost like all get-up. You're going to be like, what in the holy hell is going on? But what that movie did is it took all that stuff – It looked amazing. It took all these little stories and made an incredibly enjoyable film to watch to the point of when I got done, this is a two and a half hour movie. When I got done, I wanted to watch it again. I'm excited to watch Spider-Man No Way Home again. And it made it, it reset this whole thing. Like it may be very well the last Tom Holland Spider-Man movie and I'm fine because it reset his story into now they can go anywhere. Now they can do whatever they want. Now. It was such a refreshing thing that we didn't have to see, we didn't have to see Uncle Ben die again and tell him again, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. But how they handle that kind of scene, that origin story in Spider Man No Way Home is, is amazing. So I'm thinking to myself when I look at a movie like Dune or all this other stuff and all these pieces, writing, acting, cinematography, you know, whatever it is, it has it all. But you know what? Because it says Spider-Man in front of it, it is never going to get taken seriously by the Oscars. It's just not. And that's why the audience doesn't watch. Because again, who has seen Belfast? I'm telling you right now, I'm sure it's a great movie. Kenneth Branagh directed it. It looks really pretty. I remember years ago, I watched Roma, and it was a very pretty looking movie. And it's a it was a good movie. And it's a movie I'll never watch again. Never. I'll never have a desire. People bring it up to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Roma's pretty good. That's maybe what Belfast feels like to me. Or, or Coda, from my understanding with Coda, the guy who's going to assuredly win the Best Supporting Actor award is amazing, is incredible in it. It's a great, great performance. Does a great performance make a great movie? I would probably say no. Drive my car, everybody's like, I think it's from Japan or something. They're like, oh, it's a foreign film. Look, I love Parasite. Another movie that was up that year, Ford vs. Ferrari, I think is absolutely great. Joker, I'm in the camp that I like that movie. I have not seen Jojo Rabbit, but everybody I know, that movie's made an impact on them. But Parasite, I think, was really good. I don't know if Drive My Car is a Parasite. My point is, you know, people went to go see Dune because of its grandeur. Now, I know it was on HBO Max, but it did well in the theater. And I understand that's a movie to see in the theater. That's a movie to just sit there with its score that just... I mean, I always told people scores very loud. This is movies. And especially now, somebody like me who really likes being in the theater, if we're coming out of this pandemic, I mean, God only knows, it's nice to sit in there. I sat there for three hours, three and a half if you include previews, for the Batman. And I'm not, if you guys listened to last week's episode, you probably know, I'm not the biggest fan. The further away I get from the movie, the less I like it. It's not a bad movie. It's just something about it left me kind of like, yeah. But I want to I wanna go back to Spider-Man No Way Home. Everybody's going to say, well, the Academy's never going to honor those kinds of movies. They're not going to honor superhero movies. They'll throw Black Panther a bone, even though it loses too. And I, I'm, I'm not kidding you guys when I say it. It lost to the movie Green Book in 2018. Okay. Now, I've never seen Green Book. So people can go after me if they want. But let's just say... I don't think it should be beating a Black Klansman or a Black Panther. So, so they'll always point to that. But Black Panther is, people will say it was important because of what it did. And Spider Man, it's nothing important. It's nothing interesting, which, my God, the fact that Jamie Foxx isn't up for a best supporting actor role in Spider Man No Way Home, that kind of also gnaws at me a little bit because he is so damn good. I mean, everybody's good in that. He is excellent in it. Okay, so anyways, uh, shout out to, to Jamie Fox for that one. But you know the Academy has done is they gave an Oscar to Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Now, I know a lot of people said that was kind of like an award for all the movies, but who cares if you had never seen a Lord of the Rings movie and you sat down to watch Return of the King, you would have been lost too, just like Spider-Man. You can tell, you know, I'm really in the Spider-Man, but again, that movie's going to be remembered okay? I go back and I think of these other movies. Mad Max Fury Road is still talked about as a great movie. Still, and I've got a solution to fix these things. Again, Spotlight is a quote-unquote very important movie, and it's very well done. And it's a, I, I enjoy that movie. I think it's a really good movie. People will talk to me about it. They'll be like, yeah, and I might one day sit down, oh, Spotlight's on. I'm going to watch it again. But my God, it's, I Fury Road, I am going to talk about that Till, till I can't talk anymore. It is such a good movie. It's so memorable. The social network, you know, such a good movie, incredibly memorable. And that's just within – I'm just talking within the last few years. You want to go back a little bit further. I mean in tw- uh, 2007, No Country for Old Men won, and it beat out Atonement, Juno, Michael Clayton, There Will Be Blood. I am not the biggest fan of There Will Be Blood, but I understand it's got a lot of fans. But my God, that is any one of those movies. If they would have won, I would have had no problem with it whatsoever. Whereas the year before, the year The Departed won, you had Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. Little Miss Sunshine's an enjoyable movie, but again, I'm never really going to go back and watch it. Those were, The Departed won because Goodfellas did not win. That's what it was. It was a weak field. I, I mean, would have I picked a movie? Actually, I might have picked Little Miss Sunshine over that. But they give the award, and this is what the Oscars do now. They're going to give the award because, oh, well, we should have given it to him earlier. I mean, famously, the year before, you had Crash beat. I mean, the movie's Crash beat. Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Good Night and Good Luck, and Munich. <laughs> <laughs> any of those other four movies should have obviously won but there's this notion that the only reason Heath Ledger got an Oscar for playing the Joker in the Dark Knight is because he didn't win it for for Brokeback Mountain and he was great in Brokeback Mountain and I would have had no problem but I also think Philip Seymour Hoffman winning for Capote I mean that's a great 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 performance it was it Kate Blanchett who's won a couple of Oscars now but I think she won her first one for the aviator which again, the aviator lost to Million Dollar Baby. Again, the movie I don't hate, but the aviator is going to be remembered for a long time. But Kate Blanchett basically got that Oscar for acting like Audrey Hepburn because she didn't win for Elizabeth. And the movie Elizabeth, my wife has described it like this, and I've told other people Elizabeth is, she plays, Kate Blanchett plays Elizabeth like Michael Corleone. She is like that. That That is a great performance, an incredible performance. But this was at the time Harvey Weinstein was buying people Oscars, and he bought Gwyneth Paltrow an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love. To be fair, Shakespeare in Love, I think, is an enjoyable movie. Again, a movie I'm never going to watch again. And Gwyneth Paltrow, honestly, is not great. She's not Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth. She's just not. And I think everybody understands that, so they give Kate Blanchett an Oscar later on, and Again, I don't have a problem with her winning for The Aviator, but these are the things – this is – my point is I'm kind of all over the place, but it's not just that the Oscars, I don't think, are are honoring the movies that they should. There's sometimes they get things exactly right. There's sometimes – and I noticed when I was doing my research, I see this a lot in either the supporting categories or especially Best Actress. Sometimes you'll see somebody winning a Best Actress award – and it's just a singular performance. The movie itself may not be great, but the person who who played the part, they're the movie. Susan Sarandon in Dead Man Walking. Francis McDormand in Fargo. I mean, uh, I have to skip 1998 because that's a Gwyneth Paltrow one. But Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich. Charlize Theron in, uh, in Monster. Helen Mirren in The Queen. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and Walk the Line. Again, I'm just going through recent movies here. This is another Kate Blanchett one. Uh, it's another Frances McDormand. Uh, Renee Zellweger. These performances that these people have had, these are incredible performances. And it seems like in the actress role, I know a couple of years ago, and the person I was talking with is really pissed that Glenn Close. Close has never won. Supposedly, Olivia Colman is, is incredible in The Favorite. Such a great role. And I know even... A lot of people were mad that Chadwick Boseman didn't win the Oscar last year. But from my understanding, Anthony Hopkins, and I think the movie's The Father, I don't know, sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but is really good. And it's one of these times where sometimes when there's the quote-unquote shock, it's actually the Academy getting it right. Kathy Bates for Misery. Kathy Bates beat out Meryl Streep, beat out, well, as Julia Roberts, I think, first Oscar nomination. Angelica Houston. I mean – and these are great movies. Meryl Streep in Postcards from the Edge, a Pretty Woman obviously, Angelica Houston and the Grifters. But Kathy Bates wasn't as well-known. She comes out – the year before, Jodie Foster wins for Silence of the Lambs, which, I mean, holy crap. It's a, such a great performance. Even Silence of the Lambs was a movie that came out a full year before its Oscars. It wasn't expected to be an Oscar movie but you talk about the craftsmanship around this movie there was I was talking about uh, the direction and the just the way the movie was shot and the movie starts out with Jodie Foster on this obstacle course You're, you know she's tough she's this and then she get called gets called into her boss's office at the FBI and she goes into an elevator and she's a foot shorter than everyone a foot shorter than everyone cuz it's all men in there and it's a great way it's great how it's shot how small she is that is where the craftsmanship is all coming together i mean the artist what it was in black and white and silent that's its gimmick and that's really what it is a gimmick you know nomadland is deserves its cinematography awards but and i get some of this is during the pandemic and again i don't know what's gonna win i that's the weird thing about the oscars i'll do my own little predictions at at the very end here but it's to me the Academy is losing touch because it just doesn't – the general public, it doesn't get it. It just doesn't get what people want to watch. There is a time when, when stuff like Tom Jones or Around the World in 80 Days or Ben-Hur or these big – Titanic, okay, these big, super epic movies win. Or even something like Amadeus. But it's also broken up with crap like The English Patient winning. Or Ordinary People. Again, these aren't bad movies, but these are not movies that people are going to continually go back to. These are not movies that are the best. I mean, Ordinary People would win tons of Tony Awards if it was a play. But it's nothing we're going to sit in a movie theater and just sit in awe of. Movies are more than these performances or more than... Miramax buying awards or things like that. It's something we connect with on a visceral level. I enjoyed the hell out of myself with Spider-Man No Way Home. And even though I wasn't shocked when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield showed up, I was still fully bought in to, to being surprised, to, being, to enjoying the moment. I still fully bought into that. And that's what the movie did again dune i sit there in the theater and i'm like it's an experience i'm not gonna forget that made me want to go watch the movie again and i realized in the theater is where this movie belongs i don't think coda belongs in the theater in my understanding and again my ignorance but power of the dog supposedly is another big sweeping beautiful looking movie and, and maybe maybe when I watch it on Netflix I'll be like shoot I really wish I would have seen this in the theater I've always watched the Oscars I've always enjoyed it I enjoy bitching about it I enjoy being catty about what people are wearing I've always enjoyed that but there's this it, it seems to me you hear this you know it's always the Fox News or right wing say the Oscars are bad because they're all woke or this this that no the Oscars are bad because they're just honoring movies nobody gives a crap about anymore they just are Like I said, I enjoyed Birdman. Never going to watch it again. Just never going to do it. Gravity, I thought, was a good movie, except in logic and plotting and story. And I know Gravity didn't win the award for best film, but still, I'm I'm just saying is these are the movies that I'm being told this is what is considered high art. This is what's considered important. Look, I enjoyed the hell out of the fact that a, a big ape and a big lizard just punched each other, and then all of a sudden a robo lizard came and they had to team up and beat up with a robo lizard. That to me is great story, great plotting, looked beautiful, did all this other stuff. I would have written it in at the end of the day, but I get it. I get why you know the academy well it's not serious enough or it's not this. And when I talk about the way I'd switch things in the academy, maybe this will make a little bit of sense, but at the end of the day just because a movie appeals to the masses or is built to appeal to the masses doesn't mean its art form is any less i know there's a lot of people out there like well i hate marvel movies marvel movies are stupid or uh star wars movies and i might agree with him on some of the recent star wars movies but i've made that well well said but the the craftsmanship into these movies are if i was ever to sit down to watch the rise of skywalker again it's to watch the emperor who should not be in there shooting lightning out of his hand and crashing a bunch of huge spaceships, even though I was fully checked out of that movie by the time it came. But the when Poe Dameron was like, oh, nobody's coming to save us. Nobody's coming. And then Lando calls over and he's like, you got more friends or more are here than you think. And you see all those ships. I, I got a good feeling in my stomach. That's a, that's a movie moment that worked for me. The first 20 minutes of the Batman is movie moments that really worked for me. Uh, there's a big car chase in it the Batmobile in it, just the way it's used and introduced, I think is great. The problem is, I just named about 40 minutes of a three-hour movie. It's the you know, other two hours and 20 minutes I have some issues with. There's these moments, there's these things that draw us in, but I know all these movies that do that for me or for us, they might get a token nomination. District 9, which is an incredible film, is going to get a token nomination, but it's never going to win. But what beats it The Hurt Locker is not going to be remembered. And we're all going to sit back and remember District 9. Look, I think it's great that Al Pacino has an Oscar. I think it's criminal he doesn't have an Oscar for playing Michael Corleone, and he has it for Scent of a Woman. I mean, that's just ludicrous. I think it's great that Morgan Freeman has an Oscar. Million Dollar Baby, yeah, fine. Is that the movie he should have an Oscar for? No, he should have a damn Oscar for Shawshank Redemption. And then everybody will say, well, Shawshank didn't win the Best Picture either. Doesn't that upset you? Something like Forrest Gump When Forrest Gump, when I saw it, was enjoyable as hell. People loved Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was a movie that people connected with and did some innovative things. And yeah, I know it's baby boomer nostalgia crap and things like that, but it connected with people. I'm going to have no problem with it. I think Titanic is one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. Yet, man, if that movie's on when the, when the boat hits the iceberg, I'm going to sit there and watch it. And that's like half the damn movie. Okay? <laughs> that's an hour and a half. Because it connects to it. I remember sitting in the theater just watching that in awe. I went to go see it in the theater a second time just so I could watch it again. The fact is the movies we're doing now, they're either important films that we all sit back and go, yeah, I'm going to feel bad if to say that 12 Years a Slave doesn't deserve Best Picture. But I'm never going to watch it again. And that's where the Oscars are. That's why the Oscars are stupid. They haven't just been doing this recently. I mentioned, you know, Scent of a Woman. I could probably even go further back. I mentioned Ordinary People. Humphrey Bogart beats Marlon Brando for the Best Actor award. Marlon Brando playing Stanley Kowalski. A lot of people consider the greatest acting performance ever because Humphrey Bogart did not get the Oscar for Casablanca or Treasure of the Sierra Madre like he damn well should have. Alfred Hitchcock never wins a goddamn Oscar. So it's messed up. It's stupid. And now you guys know that I think it's stupid. So I'm going to sit here, collect my thoughts, summon the the parts of my brain that are the problem-solving parts, and we come back after break. I'm going to tell you how we're going to fix all this. Hello, all this is RD, and I want to take a minute here just to talk to you about how you can support this great podcast, the Ex Millennial Man podcast, all the work we do on Seedsing.com, and especially all the hard work that Ty does bringing you the sports knowledge and the pop culture knowledge that you just so deeply want, and how you can support me bringing you all the political knowledge that you definitely do not want. We have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and look up the X millennial Man podcast. And for just five bucks a month, guys, you are going to continue to be able to give you all this great content, give you the things that we are also craving that we know we need. And then in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Patreon-only podcast called the X millennial Man Political Report, where we're going to go through kind of more of a deep dive on my personal thoughts and other people's thoughts on what's going on politically around our country. That way we can keep the X millennial Man and as your place where you're going to go to find out all the most important things. Guys, we created this, Ty and I did, because me being from Generation X and he being a millennial, honestly, I was tired of hearing about Citizen Kane's The Greatest Movie Ever. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong, but we got, kind of got tired of, wait, nothing since Citizen Kane can be better? I mean, come on, Back to the Future is way better. To some of us, Fast and the Furious movies are way better. This is a place where we can talk about that stuff and where you're going to get that, again, not opinion, true fact of what is the greatest ever when it comes to music, sports, politics, all that stuff is Seedsing.com and the X Millennial Man podcast. So come on over to Patreon. Five bucks a month is all it is. And hey, if there's something more you need from that, come hit us up. Tell us. You need T-shirts? We can give you T-shirts. You need Handshakes? Maybe we can give you that, but come on over to Patreon, the ex-millennial man podcast, and now I'm going to get you back to the conversation. Okay, guys, I'm going to tell you what's going to make us all interested in watching the Oscars again, and I am going to give all this away to the Academy for free. No, I'm not going to give it for free. I do demand a vote. Um, I want to be a voting member of the Academy from here on out. You can throw me into whatever guild you want to throw me into. But that's my price for giving all this stuff out. And some of these are things I've talked with other people about. I've grabbed some of these things online. I remember there's an old Cracked article back when Cracked was worth reading and uh, not a bunch of pop-ups and whatever the crap they do now, but about categories that should be in the Oscars. And some of these are categories that have been in the Oscars. So the reason why I think this would work is... This kind of nebulous concept of best picture, I think, is where part of the problem is. Best actor, best actress, all this other stuff, because there are incredible performances all around the way. There are people that do incredible work with incredible things. And yes, some of them are better. Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. We recently watched that movie my wife and I did with our son, and I think I read somewhere. It's a two and a half hour movie, and I think they said Heath Ledger's only in it 19 minutes. But you never- are not thinking about him. Something that is kind of controversial, but I tell this to people all the time: I have absolutely zero problem with Joaquin Phoenix winning for Joker because he inhabits that role, and I don't care how weird he is and stuff like that. But he makes you want to watch him. Uh, Francis McDormand in Fargo, especially, but I've never seen Three Billboards outside of somewhere Missouri. But I saw Nomadland, and she's she's very good in that too. I mean, it's such a singular performance. Two other ones I didn't talk about in the first half that a lot of people dump on to say, I see the Oscars are dumb, is Mercedes Rule winning for The Fisher King. Okay, first off, go watch The Fisher King. It's criminal. I know Robin Williams was nominated for it, but he's, and I think him winning for Goodwill Hunting was kind of a, a reward for the movies he never did win for. But The Fisher King of the quote-unquote Robin Williams-like serious roles is great. Is He's really, really great in it. But Mercedes Rule is equally great in a movie that is an unsung gem. It's another movie that's never going to be forgotten. Everybody who sees it. But the other one people bust on is Marissa Tomei for My Cousin Vinny. I am so glad she won because, again, memorable movie, memorable performance. Everybody's great in it. She's particularly great. So I, I did want to highlight that. There's kind of these weird ways with, you know, people, when they think about the movies, they think about how they're connecting to the movies. And I know lately the, now the Academy doesn't want to show all the craft awards. They don't want to show like editing or sound design or all these other things. And I've always kind of liked that. I remember the woman who won for Fury Road. She'd won tons of Oscars, and she just basically like, thank, here's another one. I mean, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's a, or it, sometimes these people will get really excited, and it's also, this is how I learned about some of these things. When, watching the Oscars with my parents when I was growing up, I know the difference between you know sound editing and sound design. So you got to think about all these different ways people interact with a movie and what makes the movie important. Uh, cinematography. I think the Best Cinematography Award... They should be awarding that right next to the Best Directing Award and understand how this is. You know, the director pulls all this stuff together, but the cinematography is a big part of this. I think it works. You kind of, I guess my point is you start giving out some of these awards as joint awards. Like I would do it with the best actor, or best supporting actor, or you could do best actor, best actress and have the people come up there. And yeah, it's going to, it's Hollywood and they're all going to be congratulating each other. But here's the biggest thing I would do. You need to start separating some things out, understanding the way audiences watch movies. Now, one of the categories that I think the, the SAG Awards does, and I think it's great, is the, uh, the best ensemble, or I forgot what the SAG calls it, but basically the best group. And I'm going to use the movie Spotlight as an example for this one. Like I said, Spotlight was great. I don't know if anybody, maybe Michael Keaton or I think maybe Mark Ruffalo or somebody was nominated for it, but – It's kind of this whole collaboration, or the movie Zodiac. There's not one particular great performance. There's a lot of really good performances in there. Something like Les Miserables is definitely going to win that award. You have this best ensemble. It's not best picture, because acting isn't the full thing. But you do, you put these movies out there, and you have the best ensemble in there. Because again, some of these movies get nominated. I've heard this about King Richard, because there's a great performance or two in it. But what about these movies like Dune? Dune had nobody nominated for an acting award. Did nobody act in that movie? I mean, everybody's better. Is, is these individuals better? They may very well be better. But as a group, that group brings Dune together. That's a very, very big cast. So I think you do that, and a lot of people get tied into that. Another one, and this, is, this has been talked about a whole lot, like Best Motion Capture. Or I remember I think they gave a special award. I think it was the Golden Globes. Gave a special award award to Robin Williams for his work on Aladdin as the genie. But he couldn't be nominated for an Oscar for, I don't know, whatever reason. It's not a real acting role. Or uh, Ellen DeGeneres was given a lot of love for playing Dory in Finding Nemo. And then most famously, obviously, is Andy Serkis playing Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies. So here's the thing. Create a category. And it doesn't have to be, like, motion capture or whatever. The thing I've heard a lot of people say is, like, best voiceover, best vocal performance in a film. I think what that does is it brings in these people that do. I mean, Robin Williams and Ellen DeGeneres made these roles iconic just with their voices. And these types of movies that would get nominated for this, these are movies that are big movies, are very accessible movies. And people remember those roles very, very well. I mean, hell, I go back for a while. You could nominate James Earl Jones for Star Wars or something. Again, these are singularly iconic performances that are just being done with a voice. In some ways, I think that's even more difficult. I also think you have to really honor how these movies work. So there's a, you know, best special effects award or things like that. But you should also have, like, you should have, like, a Best Digital Effects Award and a Best Practical Effects Award. Now, a movie like Fury Road is going to win both of them, but people understand, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that sandstorm and being like, wow, oh, they did that digitally? But then on the other side, all these cars, these jumps, these cars that are jumping over each other, all this other stuff, these are all practical effects. A lot of Inception had a lot of practical effects in it. You go there, again, use this to describe what these people are doing, and these movies that are going to be nominated are the movies that people saw, okay? (laughs) They're going to be like, oh, and you're going to get that kid who's going to be like, wow, that's really freaking cool how they did that in Fury Road. I'm going to learn more about practical effects. Also, there absolutely 100% needs to be an award for best stunt or best stunt work because there's where Tom Cruise is going to win his damn Oscar. We absolutely need to honor that. These are the things people remember. I know, I know the Academy thinks, oh, it's all boring. We all just want to watch the actors and actresses. Most people haven't seen the damn movies that you're, you're constantly honoring. But you go through these things. You do a best practical effects or you do a best stunt work or something like that. People have seen those movies. Now, here's the, the more controversial one. A couple of years ago, the Oscars talked about doing a best popular film. A lot of people were like, oh no, that's stupid. And there's a big backlash. I wasn't one of those people that gave it that backlash because it's still an Oscar. That's what it is, just an Oscar. Everybody's like, well, it's not going to be the same as the best picture. I don't think anybody gives a crap. I think the very first Oscars, they gave a move, they gave one award to best black and white and one award to like best color or something like that early on. And I have no problem with that. You know, you got to understand the technology, but you do a best popular film. Or the other thing is everybody says I've heard the best comedy or do a best non-drama film. I know the Golden Globes. We need to you know tell them to go take a hike on a whole bunch of crap that they've done. But it was always nice that they had the best comedy slash musical and the best uh, best drama award. Because let's be completely honest, that's really what it is. You know, there's been some really really good comedy films. It ties my one of our favorites. Billy Madison going to win probably not. But at least it's going to open this up to movies that other people have seen. And maybe the best non-drama is a better way to do it because it shows you. I mean, if they want to keep the best picture award the way it is, fine. It it just – I think you need to separate that out, which is why I didn't care about the best popular film. Take the top 10 movies that were the top box office things and let the Academy vote or put it to a person, people vote or whatever. And, oh, that degrades it. That does this. BS, it does that. The Oscars are a TV show. People go to the movies. People like to know that – people would feel good to know the movies they like are – and the people who work on those movies are being honored with some kind of award thing. We love it when our kids get awards. We love it when our pets get awards. We're going to like if our, if our movies get awards. Before I get to the big two here. There's a lot of talk, a lot of people are out there, and I think the I think the British Academy Awards does as the BAFTAs. They'll do like a best first performance, or they'll do a uh, – I know the Guild Awards, they have like a best directorial debut, best writing debut, all this other stuff. I don't really care one way or the other about that, and I think those will eventually devolve, especially in the movies that no damn person has ever seen because they're going to hit the weirdest of the weird, like – independent movie that was actually financed by a big studio, but somebody's, some executive's kid needs a job, and so they gave it to direct. That's why the whole best first thing doesn't really get me. But there are two awards that I 100% believe need to be in the Oscars, and one of them actually used to be. I'm going to start with that one, and it's best title design or best credit design. Look, there's some movies I don't give a damn about doing any title design. That's fine. That's the type of movie they are. I completely get it. But you think of a movie like Zack Snyder's Watchmen, and if anybody has anything good to say about that movie, it's the opening credits. And that's what we remember from it. But there is other movies that just do opening credits. The movie's psycho. I mean, again, it's not as elaborate as something like Watchmen, but it's it's innovative. It's cool. It's it's different. It's, it grabs you immediately. It sets the tone. That, to me, is so important. The way a movie starts you brings you in. Star Wars. I mean, you know damn well you're about to be in for an exciting-ass ride when any Star Wars movie starts. These people that make these incredible title designs I swear to God, they need to be. They used to honor them. They need to continue to honor them. And you go, you do your TV show, and you have your five nominees or so, and you show the title designs for each of these. Man, that's going to be one of the highest rated parts of that uh, those Oscar telecasts. But the big award, the award I absolutely believe they 100% need to do is the best casting director. Casting directors pick these people out. Somebody, I mean, maybe it was Tim Burton, but some casting director he worked with said, Jack Nicholson should be your Joker. You know, Michael Keaton, you need to get, uh, you want to talk about another Best Ensemble Award. You need to get Kim Basinger. You need to do this. I mean, those Burton Batman movies, the, the Nolan Batman movies, I'll even say, those casts are so good. And somebody did that. This kind of goes back to the whole Best Ensemble Award, is somebody put this together. And that person needs to be honored. And again, you talk about what a casting director does, how they pick people. You're probably moving more towards – I mean, your bigger movies are, are going to get recognized because that's where these – that's where they're going to push, like, the awards for casting direct. The article I was reading that was talking about uh, this best casting director award, the picture they use is a still from the movie Knives Out. I mean, talk about an epic cast. Nobody in that movie – was going to be getting nominated for an Oscar. But my God, what a cast. <laughs> and what, a, what an ensemble. I mean, that is, is so important, I think, to find these things that people, this is why we go to the movies. And the fact that they want to get rid of best song or you know best score or whatever, to replace it with more BS about, I don't know, whatever they do. Use the Oscars to tell people why we love the movies, and the Oscars have lost that the last few years. And that's that, that's a that's a shame, that's a, that's an absolute shame. Well, I'm gonna uh, we have taken up enough of all your time, so <laughs> before we do that, just so you know, and we'll go back and check. And again, I told you my absolute lack of knowledge of most of the stuff, but if I had to say, look, this is a, this is what's going to happen at the Oscars, and being the Bad person I am uh, because most of the articles this is all I really see is I'm just going to give you the the big awards the acting awards the director and then the best picture and you have for um I'm going to say this Ariana DeBose is going to win for West Side Story she's won everything else I actually would really like to see West Side Story I think the original movie is really good it's interesting the role that she plays has already won. The Oscar before. I believe it's the same role that Raiden Moreno played. If I'm wrong, come at me, people. The guy, Troy Coetzer from CODA, he's going to win. Again, everybody tells me it's an incredible, incredible performance on every way. So he's probably going to win. If there's going to be any kind of upset or anything that goes a little bit different, it's either good, it's going to be in either the best picture or the best actress. A lot of people think Jessica Chastain is kind of a, a shoe in for the Best Actress Award. But everything I've heard about everybody else, Olivia Colman, I hear The Lost Daughter, and she's incredible in that. Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball, and Kristen Stewart and Diana. I actually think what might happen is, here's my weird prediction, I'm going to say Penelope Cruz wins. Because I think, you know, the rest of them, the Kristen Stewart one, a lot of people were very, very split on that movie. I think at the end of the day, that's if you're going to see an upset. So I'm going to go Penelope Cruz, the Best Actor Award is going to go to Will Smith. A lot of people think Andrew Garfield, who plays the um, music composer, the guy who made rent, Jonathan Larson. A lot of people think he may have a chance, but I think Will Smith, you know, this is one of those things where they've been, Will Smith should have probably won for Ali. And yeah, I know Denzel Washington won for Training Day, but still, you have a director, Jane Campion's going to win, which people, let's all applaud for a moment. It's going to be two straight years that a woman's won the Best Director Award. And Jane Campion, she's been doing great work the whole time. And then picture, I don't know, let me close my eyes and point down, is I'm going to say they end up giving it to, I'm going to say they give it to West Side Story. Power of the Dog may get it, but I think at the end of the day, a lot of people, they look at all these movies and all this other stuff, and West Side Story, which is streaming now on Disney+, Plus, but West Side Story, I think, is what they're going to give it to. So guys, that's it. That's my, maybe I'll make this every year. I'll get tie again next year. My Annual, the Oscars are stupid, but this time I'm going to fix them. Special, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, with all that being said, thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the X Millennial Man podcast? Remember, we are here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. Go out for those of you that have kids and stuff. Go spring break, go out, and have a great time. I am going to for the first time since. <sighs> Oh God, I I don't think I think since 2019. Obviously, actually, I'm going to get on the plane, so we'll see how all of that is next week. But uh, I, I hope it's great for me, and I hope everything's great for you guys. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> The X millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSane.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.